0: With a history of 5000 years, it's no surprise that China has created a fabulous treasury of folk tales. Once
1: a year, on the 7th day of the 7th month, all the magpies fly up to heaven and form a bridge.
0: So many amazing worlds to discover.
1: "I want a new palace," said King Mu of Zhou one day.
0: Chinese folk tales retold for audiences today. "Will will you marry
1: me?" he asked.
0: Keeps the world turning.
1: This is Roundtable.
0: You're listening to Roundtable, coming to you from Beijing. I'm Lai Ming. Coming up on today's show, more and more young people choose to start their careers and lives in the rural areas. The job of professional farmers is often associated with hard work, high tech, local government support, and social network challenges. There is definitely a future for young, educated young folks in agriculture, but what more can we do for this group of people? The 31st Summer World University Games is underway in southwest China's Chengdu City, as thousands of university athletes from across the globe come here to demonstrate their talents. What do we expect to see at this influential sports gathering? And before we start our conversation of the day, here is an update on the torrential rains battering northern China. Continuous rainstorms since the past weekend have triggered red alert in China's capital Beijing and the neighboring Hebei province. The downpour and flood have disrupted bus lines in downtown and train services in the suburban areas. The average rainfall in Beijing reached 157.8 mm from 8 p.m. Saturday to 10 a.m. Monday, with a maximum rainfall exceeding 538 mm in a village in suburban Fangshan district. To put the data in perspective, Beijing receives approximately 566 mm or 22.3 inches of rainfall on a yearly basis, so there's so much rain in such a short period of time. Residents have been advised to stay in. Meteorological departments expect the precipitation to last for 70 hours until Wednesday morning as Typhoon Doksuri joins a subtropical high in the region. So that's what we are seeing right now since the last weekend. Another reason why we are talking remotely to Feifei on the line and because we have been all caught in the flood and uh, we've been advised to stay in and not to travel. In the meantime, and if you do want to travel, it's really hard to get a taxi or get on a bus. So that's what we're facing. And I do hope everybody take care. Now back to business. Uh, let's get down to earth and uh, talk farming. For today's discussion, I'm joined by Fei and Yong And we begin with a short intro into... Professional farmers, I mean, what does that even mean? Are people no longer counted as professional farmers? I mean, people who have been working in the field for thousands of years in this land?
2: Well... To those people, we refer them as farmers, traditional farmers, farmers, but not professional farmers, because here we're talking about the new Thai professional farmers who are the modern agricultural practitioners who actively choose agriculture as their profession. They are long-term participants in agricultural operations, engaging in intensive, specialized and large-scale production process, and strategically introducing their agricultural products to the market. And some people say, as for professional farmers, they believe that it is their profession, they're choosing agriculture as a profession actively, rather than it being a passive identity to them. So unlike traditional farmers, they possess modern agricultural labor skills, rely predominantly on agricultural income for their livelihood, and demonstrate capabilities in agricultural production and management.
0: Right, so there are a few keywords that New Holland used to describe this new type of professional farmers, meaning actively choose mm-hmm. agriculture as their profession, as compared to people who were born in rural areas who inherit uh, land from the, their ancestors or lands which otherwise belong to the nation, but uh, they have the right to work on it and produce outcome. And then uh, they also engage in intensive, specialized, and large-scale production processes as compared to, well, also intensive, but uh, not necessarily specialized and certainly not large-scale production process. And they strategically introduce their agricultural products to the market, uh, the key word here being strategic or as compared to perhaps in the old days, people just work the fields according to the calendar, when it's time to plant, when it's time to grow, and when it's time to harvest, and that's it. And the reason why I pointed out strategically was because, well, the other day as we were traveling in in Mongolia, this Guy who was planting green grapes, very expensive green grapes in Inner (coughs) Mongolia, said he worked the greenhouses in his favor. He would uh, remove the greenhouse cover in the evening and then maybe put them on in the daytime to postpone the germination, sprouting, and also the harvest time of the grapes. In that case, he's doing it strategically to wait and bide his time when the other vendors of green grapes have sold out, they, he, will put his grapes in the market and therefore Ooh, fetch a very smart. handsome price. So strategically, that's the keyword that I get from new holding description here.
1: Well, for me, I think another keyword in terms of the new type of professional farmers is that they are doing this choice proactively by their choice is not forced is not a result of them not able to landing a job somewhere else but it's something they choose because they believe it's a promising profession there is a career behind it and i think Gradually, with the first, I think, policy support back in the 2018, with a number one central document, where clearly stated that the country China needs to cultivate these new types of professional farmers. Till now, I think the new term for the profession has become new farmers in a shorter version. And we are seeing a lot of young people, actually, who some of them may even hold doctoral degrees are going back to the field setting up greenhouses and even joining in the cooperatives in the villages to really put their feet on the land to really working to see how their knowledge their techniques can actually help with the agriculture development and also I think in a turn developed themselves as professional farmers, someone not only a farmer that we had in mind traditionally, but also somewhat an expert, not only having the knowledge, but only have the know-hows that I think we don't have a lot of such talents back in the days.
0: Well, to be argumentative for argument's sake, I mean, I believe we do have that image of a very experienced farmer from the old days, who could tell what time it is to plant, who could tell that the weather is about to change simply by sniffing the air, you know. (laughs) So there are plenty of stereotypes of the old experienced farmers. How are we going to tell the difference between these veteran and very experienced and expert farmers in the old days uh, as compared to the modern professional farmers? I mean, what do the new farmers have that allows them to compete and also outshine the old farmers.
2: I think when it comes to your description of the traditional farmers who are also, you know, very traditional, but very professional, veteran ones with a lot of experience, the key word here is experience. They learn their knowledge by experiencing by themselves, by planting all the different kind of plants. And maybe after several years, even decades of hard work, they know their land, they know their plants, but they don't necessarily have the knowledge about the market. They don't necessarily know the new techniques that they might be able to utilize to grow new types of plants. And these are the part that our new professional farmers can come in and play a very important role with because actually there are different kinds of new farmers. We have those, uh, like Fifi mentioned, young college graduates who are maybe they major in agriculture. Maybe they already have all the knowledge on the book but now they want to put them in practice they want to put them in the land and they can come back to their hometown learn also and teach with their, let's say, neighbor farmers, and they can start their own career. They can start a new business in the countryside so that they can grow the plants they want, the products they want, and also sell them to targeted audiences. That's the first kind. And also there's these group of people who are a little bit tired of the modern city life. They do not like the really busy lifestyle, they wanted to go back to the countryside and maybe start in b grow some, let's say, very healthy organic fruit mm-hmm. and vegetables, which can be very pricey, but also very much welcome to the market. And there is also another group of new farmers, which actually those group of farmers have been on the farmland for quite a long time, and they are maybe the veteran farmers you've talked about, but by accepting trainings from local governments by getting a certificate to become a quote unquote professional farmers, they would be, let's say, equipped with more knowledge about the market that they didn't know very much about. So these different kinds of new farmers, in my opinion, have made the farming business in the countryside much more complete.
0: Mm-hmm. You mentioned new technologies, new plans or new types of plans being developed. I mean, that's certainly very interesting. We should come back to this part later. And mm. um, But I think this is a very good time for people to really start thinking about making a career being a professional farmer in the rural areas and the timing is very important. If we take into consideration the factor of geopolitics and the factor of climate change, I think there are plenty of evidence to support people's decision to want to pursue a career and see a good prospect and really committed being committed to that field. So as a result, we do need some good examples to show what we mean by this is a very good timing for people to really start working. For instance, with many regional governments, there are plenty of favorable preferential policies coming up there to encourage people to really dive in and boost yield and improve technology.
1: Exactly. And I think that we've heard a lot of cases. And I think I want to sort of echo back to what Lai Ming just said. When it comes to experiences in farming, of course, we know a lot of the veteran farmers who of the older age groups, they have a lot of experiences in growing certain vegetables or crops. But the problem with that is that they are sort of getting used to grow one certain type or several certain types of plants. And as time goes by, I think what the scientists have found is that a lot of the nutritions in the soil have been absorbed, all of the nutritions have been absorbed by these several types of plants. And in the end, that's end up that the soil, the land doesn't have as many nutritionists as before. And I think right now with a lot of the new professional quote unquote new farmers coming to the scene, for example, there's one called Li Yongping. He actually received a lot of training about agricultural production and the science behind it and then he started to use a lot of the, a lot of the agricultural machinery including soil testing instruments so that he learned about what's happening and the changes happens on inside the soil and that they can make changes in the following year, for example, if they're growing watermelon this year and for several years, and then they decided and they found that certain nutritions in the soil have been absorbed up, then they can switch to another plant for a few years or a few seasons so that the land can sort of make a comeback later in terms of the the chart of the nutritions they have. So I think with the example of Li Yongping, in, who has a farm and has actually expanded a lot of his farms in Shandong, Hebei province, I think he sort of tells us how modern technology and the science are helping, a sort of complementing a lot of the experiences that the quote unquote, old farmers have. And so that in case of new changes happening, for example, with the climate change, they can start to make changes so that they can continue to make profits off this land and off farming. And in the end, I think it not only helps with the development of agriculture, But it also helps solve the food crisis that we have. I think a lot of countries are facing at the moment.
0: Right. There's a very good example of how a young generation of professional farmers can make use of various tools, technologies to try and boost their income and also be sustainable about it. I think another good example would be a water fertilizer integrated intelligence control system or double layer greenhouses, all these tools. They do require the users or the farmer to have certain education background or know-how in order to navigate these tools. And as such, this is one way that a young generation of farmers can compete and outshine these traditional older farmers who probably based on an empirical study throughout their lifetime. Another direction in which these young professionals can go is to do networking. One example would be a GYP, who is 36 year old. He started tomato cultivation in 2017. Having previously worked in other regions, GYP knew many managers of supermarkets and hypermarkets, and therefore he was able to leverage this relationship to sell and directly supply his tomatoes to these outlets and therefore cutting the middlemen. I'm not sure whether that is a very smart way to being done to the ecosystem of agriculture, but that's, uh, at least from his own perspective, he's cutting the middlemen and therefore uh, netting all the benefits, uh, the surpluses.
2: Yeah, and when it comes to new professional farmers like Lai Ming and Feife has mentioned, for the younger generation, they concern about multiple things, not only about the profit of their farms or about just where to sell their products. Actually, for example, Wu Xin, who is 34 years old, is the head of Jingxing Agri-Corporate and a young entrepreneur who returned to his hometown after completing his college education. And for him, in his company, there is a silage pit or forage storage room and milking parlors because he is raising a lot of cows. And for him, what's struck him is that he realized the feces of the cows, of the animals he raised, actually puts a great pressure on the Climate mm-hmm. and he concerned about the climate change. So he realized that if only raising animals would not solve the problem, maybe he could try to see whether or not raising animals plus planting some different products planting some different corpse would make the problem lighter. So that's where he put in a lot of research, trying a lot in solving the recycling of livestock and poultry manures as fertilizers for fields. And in 2020, the cooperative received a one-time subsidy of 600,000 yuan for the resourceful utilization of the feces of the animals. So not only is he making money, he's actually taking apart in solving the problems of climate change.
0: Right. The, the precious thing about this example is he's able to not only make money, but also spot the problems and the questions. Uh, that has been existing in the region or in the work of agriculture for, well, who who knows how many years. Mm. And he's able to come up with a solution, one solution to some of the problems. So it really takes an educated mind and a pair of educated eyes to spot the problems that is so commonplace that people take for granted in the process and really try and improve things. Another thing that we are looking at is professional titles. I mean, a lot of people who are probably not working in public institutions don't really care that much about professional titles. But one thing to take away with this concept is that here in this country, if you uh, improve and, and go up in your professional titles and prove that you are worth it, at the end of the day, if you, for instance, that you have a higher professional or top-level professional title, you don't only get financial returns on this. Certainly, you get more salary, you get more pension upon retirement. But you also get political benefits as well. I mean, your opinion would matter because you have proved that you are professional in what you do. And, and therefore, you will be consulted when important decisions are being made.
1: Exactly. And I think it also helps with the concept of the, the old miss conception of what a farmer is is like for example if i'm going to be a farmer 10 years ago and the big question for me would be what would i become 20 30 years later and the answer was i'm still going to be a farmer planting season by season and looking forward to the best yield based on what kind of weather that i have during that year but now with different titles coming along and people can expect that you have a certain level of expertise in the field of farming or agriculture and that sort of i think make farmers a respectful job in the society and so that young people I think for young people especially those in their 20s or 30s they will start to see this as an option. And as we are talking constantly about, you know, how villages in China is being hollowing out, only the elderly are living in those villages right now. I think it's a way to sort of attract young people back into the villages and to be a farmer and they don't need to be disrespected in the society and their salary or their income is not competent to their level of knowledge and i think it's something that young people can look forward to especially the students studying agriculture and they don't have to go through the struggle of shall i continue down the path in the agricultural land or do I need to switch to somewhere else? Somewhere seems more promising.
0: Right, right. I think Feifei made a very good point here. I mean, certainly there's a lot of benefit coming from having younger people living in rural areas. I mean, I'm not just talking about maybe there are people, extra pair of hands to help when the elderly and the children are in need. I mean, that's certainly very important when we are looking at the retirement issues and the left behind children issues. But... What's more important in the long term, perhaps, is the extra pairs of eyes and the extra sets of brains who will be, well, living there and observing and finding out the questions and issues and problems, and then looking for opportunities for future development. I mean, that is key to changing the outlook of the rural areas.
2: And when it comes to the stereotypes, Fifi mentioned that young people do not want to be a farmer because farmer seems not like a very promising career or a promising future. That is also changing. And due to the effort by village governments, they are trying really hard to attract the young generations back. And they are actively listening to the younger generations. Actually, they have been trying to absorb the younger generation into the civil servant let's say, group in the local villages, because actually the younger generation would provide a different kind of way to solve the problems. And they are providing a stable pool of potential governance personnel. And their education levels are relatively higher. They have new perspectives and entrepreneurial abilities. And I have actually interviewed several years back, a young college graduates who decided to go back to her hometown to work in this local village government. And she helped with local farmers learn about e-commerce, learn about live streams, selling their goods. And she made a lot of people very rich. I envy that village quite so much.
0: Mm -hmm. So there's plenty of things that young people can do if they choose to pursue a professional career in the rural areas as farmers. But that's not to say all is rosy. I mean, there are challenges and difficulties that both the farmers, young farmers, and the governments have to overcome. For instance, the issue of networking, whether these young people, college educated, are ready and willing and uh, find it easy to ease into the more social circles in the villages, mm-hmm. and also some reports indicate that uh, the regional governments—I mean, generals as they are—in doling out subsidies and support policies may have their eyes fixed on certain big players in the market and leaving the smaller players in the back burner. Um, so a lot of the issues certainly might have to be looked at. I mean, certainly before people make their own decisions, but certainly and most. Certainly, the governments will have to do more to try and create an environment that is friendly for young professional farmers in the villages and also that is one that is fair and balanced for all to compete.
2: And for those young people nowadays living in the city, thinking about going back to the countryside, neither you want to start your own business or maybe just starting by entering a farm or entering a company in the countryside. One thing to note is that we think we know a lot. We think we are the new generation. We have seen the world. We are more than capable of being a farmer. That is not always the case. We still need to learn a lot of practical knowledge. We still need to really work in the field to know what's like in the field but after the first stage after really familiarize yourself with the new career that you choose i believe everything will be all rosy and great
0: you're listening to roundtable coming up in the second half of the show the 31st summer world university games is underway in Chengdu. we will find out what this southwestern city has done to accommodate the athletes and observers stay with us